Hope you aren't sitting too close to your coffee table, folks, because this show is going to be filled with knee-jerk reactions as we share our top buys, sells, and holds following week one of the NFL season. And don't worry, unlike Mad Mike's stock recommendations, these transactions won't have your team filing for Chapter 11. Today's guest is resident Discord Sacco, Noro, a man who, despite his recent last place finish, still thinks he knows what he's talking about. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. I'm Boots. I'm Iken. And today, our special guest here is Noro. Howdy. And uh, today, we're just going to talk about a few uh, guys that uh, we're thinking about buying, selling, and holding uh, after week one. We're going to be completely overreacting to week one, I promise. Man, I can't <laughs> wait to overreact on all the guys you love, man. Oh yeah, uh, I, I already hate all of Icons, I promise, I'm going to disagree with him on all of them. Uh, <laughs> and we we're going to throw Noro on the spot immediately. Noro, oh, excellent. Are... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are you buying? So you've probably heard this one a couple of times already, uh, I'm going to reiterate it with some emphasis. I'm buying Jonathan Taylor uh, everywhere I can right now. Um, yeah, it's no surprise. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's not the first time you've heard it, it's probably not going to be the last. Um, but I'm just going to go ahead and dive right in for why I am so keen on buying him, even though his value is skyrocketing. I truly believe it hasn't skyrocketed enough. Um, so just right off the bat, for people who might not follow college football super closely or didn't pay attention to the draft, uh, this dude was a crazy prospect, like borderline elite running back prospect. Like without hyperbole, he drew several comparisons to Ezekiel Elliott based not just on like his physical measurables, but on his production profile. He actually had like, you know, I won't get into too many of the stats, but like touchdown share and uh, yards per team attempt and stuff like that. He was actually better than Zeke. So he, he definitely coming in, like everyone knew that this guy has, has great promise. So um, just right off the bat, huge pluses for him. But what really makes him special and what I'm really stoked about is that the biggest knock on his uh, college profile was his receiving work. He didn't have a great target share. And so his first game in the NFL splitting work with Naheem Hines, an established pass catcher. This dude had a, a 13% target share, and Phillip Rivers targeted the running back position on 37% of his passes. He, he has this fantastic receiving upside, which is the perfect complement to his profile as a runner, which is you know one of the things that people were concerned about him initially. And right off the bat, Phillip Rivers has proven that he's obsessed with running backs. He just can't quit them. You yeah. know, for, everyone's been wondering for the longest time, is the reason Chargers running backs get so much receiving work part of the offensive philosophy, or is it just, you know, an individual characteristic of Philip Rivers? And we have some pretty strong support that it's just Philip Rivers. And so now Jonathan Taylor is the beneficiary. Uh, so I'm super interested to see how that plays out this, this year, because I had the same suspicions, and I'm super interested to see definitively what we find out because i i i mean i think you're i think you're right i think it's probably going to be a characteristic that he has um and that's why you saw you know austin eckler and mg3 and all of them you know right before his departure seeing the same sort of work he's just taking a different person and applying a different archetype really is all it is is what it seems like so Absolutely. I, I love this, by the way. I mean, it, when I think of Jonathan Taylor, some people are going to say, oh, look look what he did with the attempts he had. He only had nine, right? But this is the thing. 
is when he was coming out of college, and Nora was absolutely right. I actually think Nora was underselling his college production. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor had one of the greatest running back seasons ever in college his last year. He had like 2,100 yards or something crazy like that, right? We know Jonathan and Taylor can run. We know that line is phenomenal. Guess what we didn't know? We didn't really know if he was going to develop as a pass catcher, and guess what we just saw? We just saw him go six for six on receptions, It's kind of like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, okay? In game one, our worry was that we were like, ooh, can he he really be the ground-and-pound bell-type, you know, bell-cow-type guy? And we know he can receive. And then game one, he didn't receive at all, and he was only ground-and-pound. That's why I'm not overreacting about uh, either of these guys, right? I know Clyde Edwards-Alaire can catch the ball, and I know Jonathan Taylor can run the ball. <laughs> yeah, no, right? that's, a, that's a perfect example. Like, they came out week one, and they just kind of silenced the doubters in terms of, like, is the weak part of their game going to hold them back at the NFL level? And they proved almost immediately that they have a full, well-rounded, you know, tool set that they can use um, even in the big leagues. And, it, and it's fantastic for us fantasy owners who are able to capitalize and buy these guys um, when there was that uncertainty you know, surrounding rookies this year because of the, the no, lack of preseason and training camp. So I'm, I'm going to sit here and just give me a minute. I'm going to have to throw a wet blanket on this party a little bit here because it's getting a little too hot in here. Oh, yeah, right, guys. Get so, out of here. <laughs> so, and, and I'm not going to sit here and say that I disagree because I actually – I agree with you. Uh, I'm actually just going to kind of bring up a couple of things that concern me. Uh, so first and foremost, uh, Nyan Hines has been in this offense for, what, two years now? He knows the system. He was being lauded by the coach before the the draft was even had even happened, before they even knew they had JT. Uh, and it, and it, he's proven that he's going to be a valuable part of the offense. So I think while JT is going to have he's going to become the bell cow and he's going to become the focal point of probably the offense because I mean, let's be real. Philip rivers is on his way out in terms of his career. Uh, he will become the focus of the offense, but will it be this year? Yeah. Will it be as, and as we all know, like defenses only get better as the year goes on and offenses always start off super hot. Right. So is that going to be the thing that takes you into the championships? And is he going to be the championship maker? Or are we going to sit back and see in a, a running back by committee sharing with Nyan Hines? And so, while I don't, I don't know the answer, I'm asking the question now to maybe try to, yeah. you know, scale back the the super excitement we got going on. Between <laughs> no, totally, two. it's a good question, and Naheem Hines is absolutely going to be a big part of that offense. But I think in terms of JT taking over like the primary back role, I think it's already happened after the yeah. Marlon Mack injury. JT outtouched Hines on the ground 10 to 3 and only saw one fewer target uh, in the post Mac portion of the game. So I wouldn't be surprised if Naheem Hines, you know, out targets uh, JT over the course of the season. That's kind of his role. But it looks like JT already has a firm grasp on the uh, early down and potentially goal line carries just because he's he profiles better as a back for, for those downs. Uh, but he the exciting part is that it appears that there's enough running back targets in that offense um, for Hines to get his and for JT to have enough left over to be a healthy boost to his fantasy output. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to bet that they could probably both end up being valuable assets long term. Yeah. I, I have to here. say I agree with that. I, I don't Hear think... Me out here. Jonathan Taylor is this year's second half 2019 Melvin Gordon 
and Naheem Hines is the Austin Eckler, right? Yeah. It's basically the same thing, right? Totally. You have one guy that can ground and pound, and you have another guy that can be a pass catching back. Um, if the pair, the you know the comparisons are there. Obviously, Naheem yeah. Hines is not as good as Austin Eckler, and in my opinion, Jonathan Taylor is way better than Melvin Gordon. But the, the comparison is sort of there in terms of their role. Um, now, before we spend too much time on this one, let, let's continue on. Let's get yep. this ball rolling here. Agreed. I can. Let's hear your buy. Who are you buy? Okay, my buy. And this one's going to be way more tame than that one because <laughs> man, I'm sweating over here. Um, so uh, my my buy is James Robinson, and uh, my buy is James Robinson for a couple of reasons. Um, so first and foremost. He didn't make a huge splash week one, right? So he's not on everybody's radar. He he proved that he's useful, but you he, he's actually attainable, unlike JT now, right? JT <laughs> yeah. is going to be virtually unobtainable. So you know, while I agree, if we can, if you can buy him, you should. But I'm thinking that a lot of owners are probably not going to want to give up, give him up. On the contrary, James Robinson, you know, looking looking at his week one usage. Um, shows very good promise. Okay, so he had uh, what was it? Um, about forty percent, forty percent usage in the in the offense with with Josh Jacobs had fifty three percent usage, right? So James Robinson forty percent usage, still very high in terms of overall running back usage. He's the seventh on the list, right there. Um, we have. Uh, what was it? Running running attempts. Uh, he was number eight on the list for for week uh, for week one. And you know that just kind of shows you that you know we know that we know that Minshew is throwing the ball. We know that Minshew is just saying, "Hey, f you guys, <laughs> f f your f your tank. I'm here to put points on the board." Screw and, you guys! I'm now the best sixth round running or quarterback ever. <laughs> Screw Tom Brady. <laughs> exactly, and I gotta say that's another that's another podcast topic. I love Minshew, but the thing is, is, is he's gonna need to change it up, right? And it's looking like James Robinson is gonna be the guy to do it. And before, and this is the whole thing, right? We want we want to strike and get our guy before he blows up. So then that way you don't have to pay an exorbitant fee. James Robinson, you can probably get the owner to to part with him. He might even be on the waiver foot wire. Who yeah. knows? I, I, I'm holding him in as many leagues as I can get, right? Because it's not a guarantee that he's going to be the guy. Because, I mean, you still got to worry about Chris Thompson. You still got to worry about uh, maybe Divine as Zigbo coming back, right? You know, the whole backfield is kind of a mess. But... Just by looking at the number of his usage, I see a lot of promise there, and I think it's one of those things. It's 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 a calculated risk, but I think it has potential good payoff. Holding a bench spot is is worth the time right now. Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, in terms of opportunity share, right, which is the number of uh, uh, running back opportunities, and uh, not only on the ground but in the air, he was number four, only behind Zeke Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. Right, he was at eighty-one percent, which means eighty-one percent of the attempts and targets to wide uh, running backs went to him on his team. Right, 
that's amazing, right? That's that that is in elite numbers of opportunity there. That's with Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Josh Jacobs, and like I said, all those other guys. My my question for you, and I, I forgot to ask this to Norrell, so I'll ask him in a second, is if where would you have taken James Robinson if we had a clearer view of that backfield going into the year? Where where do you think he would be valued in your mind if in an initial redraft? That's a good question. I can, I can answer you for I can answer Nora and Nora. Sorry, man. I'm gonna answer for you. I know that Nora would take him would take JT 101. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Pump the brakes there. Pump the brakes. Okay, okay, okay. 104. We'll say 104. Well, go um, ahead, Nora. Let's hear yours first. Yeah. Since, since so, so there. I, I didn't quite get to this part because we kind of lingered a little bit longer. So I'll make it quick. But the reason he's a buy for me is because I think a lot of people have propelled him up to like the fringe RB one tier uh-huh. um but with the situation he's currently in uh i'm would be super comfortable uh taking him easily in the first round probably the top 10 picks um i'm putting him over guys like joe mixon um probably over derrick henry um i'm having Oof. him like in that josh jacobs alvin kamara tier like around like the wow. 106 107 mark uh, what about clyde where do you put him where would you put him against clyde and this uh, is this is under the assumption that marlon mack would have been gone at the beginning of the year yeah, yeah, so this is assuming Marlon Mack is gone, and we know that Philip Rivers is going to hammer the the wide res- or the running backs with uh, targets. Yeah. Um, I guess I would say I might put him above Clyde. Um, okay. Yeah, just because we he I think he's going to be more of a focal point of that offense than Clyde is, just in terms of uh, how many mouths there are to feed and how many weapons Mahomes has at his disposal. Uh, I think JT okay. can soak up a higher opportunity share. All right. Sorry for interrupting you, Iken. Where are you taking James Robinson if you kind of have the benefit of uh, hindsight here? Uh, I think that James Robinson would be um, probably about where Fournette was going. Um, oh, wow. I, th- I, I, I honestly I feel pretty good about it. I would say probably fifth round in 12-man, 12-man half PPR. Uh, the only thing that kind of keeps me, you know, that's where Rojo was going. Like, you know who I'd compare him to? Antonio huh. Gibson. He was going at the late fifth, and our really thing with him was it's the opportunity, mm-hmm. which is the exact same thing with James Robinson. So I, I think I agree with you. That's a good. That's a good spot. Yeah, I. I mean, th- here's the downside. The downside is that he got one target all game. Yeah. But, but the problem, the thing is, is that Minshew loves Shark, and he's gonna fall in love with. Um, what's his name? LaVisca Chenault. Yeah, yeah, LaVisca Chenault. What's his name? What? How dare you? Hey, you know me. He's my golden child. (laughs) Well, you know me. I'm, I'm the lover of Shark. So, Shark is my boy. And he was last year, too. Um, Shark is looking really good, by the way. But, you know, and that's why I think that there's going to be that compliment of, on the ground. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm, I've said my piece. (laughs) Boots. I want to know what you're buying. Um, so I, I, mine's a, mine's a, I think I'm the only wide receiver, uh, based off of what I heard you guys saying. Uh, I'm buying AJ Brown. Um, 100% I'm buying AJ Brown. Let's hear it. Um, okay. So this is the thing is, I, I feel so, I feel so weird about this because, you know, Corey Davis, and if, if Pelt listens to this, I'm going to get a very unhappy DM from Pelt that's going to say a lot of nice things about Corey Davis. Um, We've seen Corey Davis, right? We've seen him for three years, right? 
Um, I know third year wide receiver breakout sort of thing. There are like some benefit, like some highlights. Obviously, like Corey Davis got the same number of targets. He had more air yards per target. Um, by all indications, it looks like week one Corey Davis looks like the wide receiver to own there. My sort of thing with AJ Brown is is that. The one, I think those owners might be panicking a tiny bit, right? 39 yards. That was one of the worst yards per uh, catch yep. games he's ever had, ever. Yep. I, I That is, I just looked, it is the worst game he's ever had in terms of yards per catch. Um, th- I think that there's going to be a sense of panic, right? And I don't necessarily buy that through the rest of the year that he's going to have that bad of games necessarily, um, I know that there was a they Denver had uh, who is it AJ Bouye or something like that the really good corner they got hurt halfway through the game mm-hmm. so maybe he you know was dealing with that sort of thing um, I I just don't buy it necessarily I don't buy into Corey Davis I don't buy that you know AJ Brown is actually as bad as that game sort of signified I don't know if you guys watched that game that game was awful yeah, it <laughs> just was as really... a side note it was terrible. It was like you're forcing yourself to eat vegetables when you really, really don't want to. It's like, i got to watch this, but, I, man, I hate it. Oh, it was, it was terrible. I mean, I don't have a ton to back it up stats-wise and everything. Like I said, by all indications, if we look at air yards and we look at target share and we look at snap counts, they were basically tied on all of them except air yards, which is very important that Corey Davis was ahead on. Mm -hmm. I understand if you don't necessarily buy this argument. I still don't think Corey Davis is is good. I'm sorry. I I feel like we've seen it for years. We've heard it every year. Corey Davis season, Corey Davis season, Corey Davis season. You know what? If if you were into him before, you probably really like him now. I'm not buying it. I'm buying A.J. Brown. I, I feel like that his owners are going to start panicking here soon. I feel like he's a potential buy low target. He's going into Jacksonville and Minnesota next, right? I'm mm-hmm. buying him before those games. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, I I'm I'm with you 100%. AJ Brown in my opinion is a better is better talent than Corey Davis. And at, I mean, absolutely, if you can if you can get these types of players on these types of weeks where you know that they underperformed based on how you know how they're they should be performing i mean if you can if you can catch someone with their pants down or catch someone panicking uh that's that's how you win leagues man yeah so i'm with you i like the process behind this one because we saw last year what he's capable of and as a second year wide receiver people were banking on him to you know take another step forward or to you know improve as he has more nfl snaps under his belt and so the combination of that really weak week one showing and the questionable designation that he just popped up with, I think you're right that people are going to be panicking and you mm-hmm. probably have a great opportunity to capitalize on that. I, I When I think of panicking uh, owners, I think of this guy that traded Saquon Barkley for Marlon Mack last year. Um, <laughs> I, I know I, that guy. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can might know that guy. Um, I think I know I, that guy. Yeah, I think I think the, the guy who got Saquon won that league, but I, I don't know. Ooh. <laughs> I, think, I, I think he did. And he doesn't shut up about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he never shuts up about it. Is that one hitting um, a little close to home? Oh, yeah, that one hurts me. Uh, he's never going to let me live it down. <laughs> no. No, I never will. And since we're a real podcast with real podcast things, we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Fantasy team stuck in jail and can't pass go? 
Are you tired of being a Spaniard in Ice Main or a Brando? Busty Bud here with another fantastic product, the Trade Machine. The Trade Machine is systematically designed to wear down your league mates with enough offers to make them punch a woman in an Atlantic City hotel elevator. Our patented AI known as Dotson uses irrelevant chatter to emasculate your opponent, degradingly challenging their manhood with comments such as, some Patriots fan you are, as well as, you get three starters for one. And who could forget the classic, I will Venmo you $50 right now if you just accept the trade. Who cares? It's a free league. The trade machine is guaranteed to single-handedly drain your data plan along with siphoning away your productivity at work and love from your family. Call now to get our bonus free guide to getting cheated badly out of a trade known as Rule 19.1. Side effects might include loss of respect, mild annexation, constant eye rolls, crippling disappointment, and acquiring Damian Williams for Aaron Jones. The trade machine is not sold in Tennessee, Kentucky, Fat Shack, or Camden, New Jersey. Let's move over to who we're selling. Um, I'll, I'll just continue, I guess. Um, I'll just continue uh, with what I was going with here. Um, I'm going to be selling Naheem Hines. Um, that's going to probably be kind of a controversial statement, I kind of feel, based on we all saw what he was going for, fab-wise and everything. Music um, to my ears. Sell him to the icons of the world. Sell him yeah. to the icons of the world. Exactly. So, um, I, I have Heinz in Dynasty, and even I have to kind of agree with you. It's like, you know, he's always going to be this. He's always going to be playing second fiddle. If you can, if you can extract something like, a, like a fringe RB one, RB two type form for someone that's like super high on the guy, I can't, I can't disagree with you because, um, you know, he's JT is arguably one of the best talents to come into running back since, um, you know, Saquon. Totally. Yeah. We'll okay. say. Let's hear your process. So, boots. Uh, yeah, my, mine is just the fact that he just came off of what I, I'm going to imagine that was the greatest game he's ever had. Um, just double checking right now. Uh, one of the greatest games he's ever had. He had another two touchdown game as a rookie, but, um, yeah, that, that was phenomenal. I mean, if you watched him, he looked great out there. Right. But I think we all agree that for the most part, Jonathan Taylor is a better back. Um, we saw that Jonathan Taylor could receive. I do think Naheem Hines has value going forward. I don't want it to sound like I don't think that. He absolutely does. He also had two touchdowns that game. Um, and you know what? I might wait until after the Minnesota game. I might wait out until after the Jets game. But if it's not this week, if it's not next week, or if it's not after the Jets game, I am absolutely selling Naheem Hines. Uh, you know his value is just going to go up probably in the next two weeks, and then and then I'm trying to I'm going to try and get him off my team as soon as I can. He then he goes to Chicago and Cleveland, who don't have exactly the worst lines to deal with. Um, so yeah, that's mine. Uh, Nora, who 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 are you selling? Right who now? am I selling? So I am selling Nick Chubb, uh, running back to the Cleveland Browns. Um, and my main knock on him uh, is pretty simple, and that's just he was drafted uh, in most cases probably early second, maybe even in the first round, uh, assuming that he would maintain you know, control at least of the running back rushes uh, for that backfield. And right off the bat, we've shown that it is way closer to a 50-50 split than we thought it was going to be. Uh, one of his mm-hmm. biggest strengths last year was that Nick Chubb absorbed an enormous amount of Cleveland's running back rushes. Um, even after the uh, initial hunt trade, he was still uh, maintaining like over 70% of the running back rushes, and here we have him, uh, week one of 2020, 
for the first time ever since he took over as the starting running back for the Cleveland Browns, he had under 50% of the running back rushes. Not only mm -hmm. did Kareem Hunt uh, out-target him 6-1, to one, he actually out-carried Nick Chubb 13-10, to 10, which... Yep. That's nuts. Yeah, and, and it's like that's kind of defeats the entire purpose of why we were drafting Nick Chubb, is that he's a great runner who was projected to have you know, the valuable touches and the majority of the touches and a pretty efficient running system. And all of a sudden he's not, it's not even like a starter backup or a early down and a third down back. It's, it might not even be one A and one B. It's like a full down, full on split down the middle backfield. And I don't see how Nick Chubb can return value on where you drafted him when he's seeing such a low portion of the valuable touches in that offense. So I think if you have an opportunity to sell him based off of name value and return something close to uh, to a second round pick value, um, I think you should do that before people realize just how much work Kareem Hunt's going to be getting. Hundred percent, I, I completely agree here. I, I did not really want Chubb before. I was always aiming for Kareem Hunt, uh, and I got a good share of him. I do I do think I have Kareem Hunt and champs, and I feel pretty great about that. Uh, the opportunity share it would in game one was a sixty-one percent went to Kareem Hunt in that backfield. Yeah. So you know, pretty, pretty concerning there. Absolutely. Um, and I'll say this, uh, just regarding you know, sort of game script type arguments that we may hear, is. I, I don't necessarily buy that receiving backs deal with these sort of negative game script sort of issues that a sort of bell cow sort of back would you know deal with necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that Kareem Hunt is sort of, I don't want to say game script proof, but I would say Nick Chubb is not game yeah. script proof. And yeah. based on the way Baker played, they might be facing a lot of negative game scripts. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, yep. Yeah, um, I think there's plenty of reason for, for concern regarding Chubb. What do you got, Iken? Uh, I, nothing new to add. I, I think you guys covered it all. I and The only thing that I would worry about is, I mean, um, you'd be selling Chubb at a low point, and mm -hmm. you you may not extract the same value you were wanted to. Yeah. Um, if, if you were going to sell him, I'd wait to see if maybe he gets a touchdown or two and then try to get it be like, Hey, look, he's back. Right. <laughs> and try to use that, try to use that narrative yeah. To, yeah. to sell him. Oh yeah. Who are you selling? Uh, yeah. Let's hear it. So I am selling Malcolm Brown. Okay. Um, yep. I'm selling Malcolm Brown because I don't believe that he's going to sustain the performance that we saw on Sunday night. I don't think he's going to repeat the same performance because, I mean, Cam Akers actually uh, had not as many attempts, but almost as many attempts. we got Daryl Henderson, who we don't really even know what he's got as a player, but he might, he might be eating even more into that carry share. Uh, Malcolm Brown is indeed the veteran. Uh, but I don't think if you are holding on to him, if you took him into, if you took him in the 14th round, which I, I did in one of my leagues, um, if you, if you have him in the 14th round you, and he was on your bench and if you can go and get some value for him and like for a player that you was drafted in the seventh, sixth round, something like that, 
Mm-hmm. Go do it. Go do it because, I mean, ultimately, look at the guys that are going to provide you with value long-term. And if you can turn this one-week anomaly into a long-term value, I think that's the that's the way to do it. I think Malcolm Brown probably will, may have some good games down the line, but you don't know which ones they're going to be, and they're never going to be the weeks that you need them to do it. Yeah. I, Interesting. So I, I think... Um, I generally agree that I don't think he's going to provide a lot of long-term value. I think that over the course of the season, uh, Cam Akers will improve, and I think Daryl Henderson will continue to be more involved. Um, So I absolutely agree with that there, and I think his overall opportunity share will decrease. However, I do think he's a little bit better than people are giving him credit for. Um, So I actually watched that whole game, and it was night and day, uh, the snaps and carries that Malcolm Brown got compared to the ones that Akers got. And you could probably attribute some of that to just a slow start for the rookie, but at least for the short term, I think Brown has a pretty firm hold um, on the lion's share of the carries. But I'm totally not opposed to selling because I think you know once we get towards the end of the season and you're you know talking about making a run for your fantasy playoffs, I, I don't see Malcolm Brown being valuable anymore, and these early weeks will probably be his peak value. Okay, so let let me let me elaborate a little bit more then. So the next two games are against Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And then against Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Philadelphia gives it up, you know, maybe, maybe not, right? Buffalo sure shit will not. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, agreed. I'm not starting him against Buffalo. I, this is what I would say. Um, I, I'm one of those complete psychopaths that <laughs> thinks that Malcolm Brown is hashtag good at football. Um, I, I'm probably totally wrong on that. That's okay. Um, I do, I do kind of agree. I think that Akers is probably the better back, um, but I, I think if I own Malcolm Brown, I, I, I think I drafted him at a point where I want to ride it out almost at least for a week or two mm-hmm. because I'm just not sure what I can get for him. I, I think that's my biggest concern is I just don't know if I would have the ability to sell him to people because I, I feel like a lot of people are thinking the exact same things we're thinking here yeah. that they may think you know what uh, you know acres is probably better and he probably is eventually going to get the work um, th- I guess my question more so would be who's buying Malcolm Brown right now you know I, I could see people sort of you know, I don't know. I'm just not so. I'm just not so convinced that there's a that there's people really going out there and being like, "Oh, I need to buy Malcolm Brown," because um, I'm with you. I don't. I don't even think that that performance was amazing. <laughs> well, well. So you you have people that are you maybe have your Eckler owners or you may have your back owners who are just yeah. like you know I've been a little bit miffed, and then you have like this big shiny. Uh, you know, new toy that's like, oh, hey, this, I didn't expect this came out of left field. Let me see if I can maybe, you know, reach for that. It, it, you never know. And the thing is, is, is I'm not saying that Malcolm Brown is not good. What I'm saying is, is if you can, if you can turn that into a more valuable asset, especially for later in the season, uh, you should. Yeah. Right. I, I see, see what you can do. Yeah. See what you can do. If you hold on to him, you hold on to him. Right. But I mean, his schedule I don't really like a schedule that much. Um, I'm, I, I love the Rams offense, but I love the Rams offense for the receivers. Yeah. I think the backfield's a mess, so that's why I'm selling. I'm with you. I understand what you're getting at. Maybe um, you uh, go and get your guy James Robinson. That's right. Well, yeah. That's 
That's right. Go get your guy, James Robinson. On a counterpoint, we might say that uh, Cam Anchors might be a buy low potentially after that situation. I I, uh, I would say that that's probably a good a good situation too. But uh, I think I think maybe we should move into who who we're holding. Yeah, let's do it. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, who you got, Iken? So I am holding Sammy Watkins, and I may come to regret the decision to say this. Uh, but now Pelt uh, is listening. By the way. <laughs> I, you know, it's it's just so hard to be like, you know what? Let me let me sell the number two receiver, or arguably the number three receiver, if you count Kelsey, uh, the wide receiver two, mm-hmm. in the Pat Mahomes offense. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say that you want to let go of it, uh, because honestly, you know, we we know that Sammy Watkins has health issues. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he's played a full season. Ever. Has he played a? F- I don't think he's ever played a full season. You're right. Uh, so, but but the thing is, is like, look, it's, there's there's so much upside, mm-hmm. right? There's just so much upside that it's 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 this and this is the guy I was on the fence with because I almost said I was going to sell him, but I thought about it more. Uh, you look at his target share. I mean, he he commanded nine nine of the targets, which. In the hungry offense for Pat Mahomes, nine targets is a lot. Twenty-eight percent. Twenty-eight. Yeah, that's that's pretty good in a in yep. a in an offense that has a lot a lot of targets. So, you know, you know that Pat Mahomes looked his. I think he got uh, how many red zone targets did he get? Because uh, I, I know he got a touchdown, and I think he I think he targeted him uh, like another two or three times uh, in the red zone. Yeah. So I don't have uh, the red zone targets with me right now, but you are right. It was like one or two. He also led Nair yards on that team too. Yeah, I I just and I know that Houston is argue you know yes, no, maybe they're a good defense, maybe not, I guess time will tell. No. Um, <laughs> well, you know. I don't mean I, to derail you. <laughs> the, the run D did pretty good against against the running back of the in the red zone. Um, so that's why they took it to the air. Uh, yeah. You know, honestly, it's just, this is purely speculation. This is purely a gamble. Again, I think that the upside outweighs the risk in holding Sammy Watkins. I know that he's going to get hurt eventually, but ride the train while it's still on the tracks, in yeah. my opinion. I like this one because you probably didn't spend anything to get him. And so really all it's costing you at this point to hold Sammy Watkins as a bench spot. Oh. Um, and like yeah, you I, said... Yeah, I, I got him in the 11th. Yeah. I got him in the 11th round. I mean, yeah. it cost me nothing to hold on to him. The upside is fantastic. We've all seen how electric he can be, you know, when he gets his shit together. And a 28% target share is an elite number in any offense. But when it's coming from Kansas City, when those are Pat Mahomes balls... like. You kind of can't deny how much potential there is there. So there's, I feel like there's not really any harm in holding, seeing what the Lizard King can uh, provide for you in this crazy <laughs> year 2020. Attention. Attention. If you or a loved one drafted Corey Davis or Sammy Watkins in a fantasy football league and felt tricked, backstabbed, or quite possibly bamboozled, then you may be entitled to financial compensation. These notorious fantasy conmen have been inflicting emotional trauma on unsuspecting fantasy managers for years. If this has happened to you, call the Ben Jarvis Green Ellis Law Firm right now to see if you qualify. 
Which, he, by the way, Sammy Watkins is the perfect segue into my guy if you guys are done. Yeah, uh, let's hear yeah. it. I'm good, go. Will Fuller. Yeah, the boom. <laughs> yeah. Will Fuller. Let's bring the boom. I mean, yeah. Everything you said, now apply it to Will Fuller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean... I'm, I'm, I think we've had this conversation offline a bunch of times, Boots, where we're 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 saying the same things about you know our respective players. Yeah. So. I mean, he got he got a thirty-two percent target share, right? I don't know where Brandon Cooks was that game. He wasn't there at all in the first half. Randall Cobb, with his very decent snap percentage, was not seen at all. That I I, I think I posted in the game or the live game chat. I said, "Has Randall Cobb like is did he show up? Did he retire? You know, at <laughs> halftime or something?" As I never saw him. Uh, listen, when, when you drafted Will Fuller, the question mark you know, was never, like, can he have explosive weeks? We knew that. The question was, could he be the, like, alpha one receiver, the guy who can get a lot of targets, right? The guy got 129 air yards. You know, yep. led the... That's three times as many as the next guy. He, he had 32% target share, 10 targets. I mean... Ten targets for Will Fuller. I never thought I'd see the day. <laughs> I'm ecstatic. I'm I'm pumped. I'm holding Will Fuller. I, I'm gonna ride this out until the you know four weeks from now when he gets hurt. I don't care. Yeah. I'm riding Will Fuller till the end. Yeah, I like this. I mean, the biggest knock on Will Fuller is his injury risk, and I would argue that your average fantasy owner really overstates. Um, the danger that like injury risks poses to your average player. So people are mm-hmm. fading the shit out of Will Fuller when he just represents so much upside, like more than he ever has now that he is not only the same explosive deep threat player, but now he is the number one target in that offense, soaking up a 30% target share. I mean, it's like, yep. injury risk be damned. I can't ignore the upside that this guy represents. It goes yeah. back to the, the Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards, Alaire comparisons, right? We know that they have the ability. We know, you know, Clyde can be a uh, sort of pass catching back. The question was, can he be a bell cow? We saw that. We know Jonathan Taylor can be a bell cow. Can he be a pass catching back? We saw that. We know Will Fuller can be an explosive, you know, burner wide receiver. The question was, could he be a guy that could handle 10 targets a game? We saw that. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I, I'm excited. I'm so pumped to own him. I'm gonna. I can't wait to watch him. Uh, yeah, I'm holding. He could even be a buy. Uh, I ain't selling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I, I, I'm with the hold, and I think the opportunity cost. You're not really giving anything up in terms of opportunity cost, because even if he does get hurt and you can't use him much anymore, you, you, you drafted him at such a low price that. You're going to be in a good spot either oh, yeah. way. Who's your hold, Noro? All right. So I am holding Mike Gesicki, uh, the Ooh. tight end. Yeah, so um, go ahead and make fun of me for this. I know tight end measurables have been a popular talking point on the Discord lately. It's kind of turned into a bit of a meme. Um, but <laughs> How are his bars? It, dude, yeah, the, have you seen his bars? They're the best <laughs> bars, all right. The best. Uh, but there's a reason. Everybody says it. There's a reason tight end measurables are popular. It's because physical traits and athleticism are more correlated with fantasy success than for any other position um, for tight ends, um, and it's it's not even particularly close. Um, so yeah. I, I'm not going to get too much into it. Just know that this dude's a freak. 
Um, he comps to Vernon Davis, like the most physically gifted tight end, like out yep. there. Like he's he's just nutty. But that's not even why I love him. That's just a small part of it. What I love about Mike Gesicki is that he played 84% of his snaps out of the slot last week, which is the number one rate in the league for tight ends. He, he's not a tight end. He, this dude is just a big-bodied wide receiver with a 99th percentile speed score who got number two targets on his team last week. He, he has such a clear path to upside, and the Devontae Parker injury is unfortunate um, just because it kind of, like, hamstrings an already uh, flagging offense, but it just opens up the door for Gesicki to continue to build on his target share because even if he had a kind of shitty week one um, against what was a, a really great Patriots defense, um, there are underlying uh, flags there for fantasy success. Um, and they say... If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. And Mike Gesicki <laughs> looks and quacks like a big-bodied slight slot receiver with a 99th percentile speed score. Like, the, the dude just goes in. So uh, I'm holding him. People are dropping him right now because of his bad week one. Uh, he's got another tough matchup this week, but just look for his slot snaps to continue and for his target share to improve. Um, this is exactly the kind of upside that I like to chase at tight end. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I agree with you on just about everything. You know, he was second in air yards uh, that game. You're, you're totally right. That's a very tough defense to play against. And I, I'm with you. I'm not exactly ecstatic against starting against Buffalo. But uh, he does have some pretty exciting games kind of in the middle of the year and towards the end of the year. He's one of those guys that towards the end of the year, weeks, you know, we go 12, 13, 14, the Jets, Cincinnati, KC. Those are exciting games right there. And uh, week 16, during those championships, he's got Las Vegas. And uh, those are some pretty good games. I, I, I like the hold. I like Gusecki. If you didn't mention that slot number, I was definitely there for that one. Because, yeah, that you're, you're absolutely right. Your comp, your, your comp there is perfect. He is a big slot wide receiver, more so than a tight end. And bonus, the... I want to say Chad O'Shea is his name, the offensive coordinator uh, in Miami right now, has a penchant for big-bodied slot receivers. Like, that's his whole thing. Like, he was responsible um, for, like, some of Eric Decker's best seasons. Um, and I know Julian Edelman isn't uh, big-bodied, but, like, he is accredited for, like, developing Julian Edelman into the slot receiver that he is today. So, I mean, there's just there's a lot going for him. Um, even if it was a slow start to the season, I'm just I'm not abandoning ship. I'm um, trusting the process, and uh, everything's there for me on Kasiki. It was so, a slow start to the season because they're playing New England. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and yet I've seen him dropped in like two or three of my leagues already. So yeah, hold on, I can I want to make sure you heard what I heard. He said I heard some Patriots compositions there and some Patriots co- coaches. Nora just said that Mike Kasiki's the next Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, that's what I heard. I don't know if you heard it. <laughs> hey, man, so what I'm saying as long as is, you need... a pile drive. <laughs> As long as he's done pile drive Trey White, I'm okay with him. Well, I don't know. He's playing Buffalo this week. We'll see. If he does, I'm buying him everywhere. I I want you to know that because then the comp is complete. I think Buffalo is going to be the team doing the pile driving this week. Oh, yeah, they are. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Fitz put up the the most amount of interceptions last week. I have a feeling he's going to do it again. I can see it. But but here's the thing. I I mean, I'm not going to disagree with your Gusecki hold. I think he's... You know, tight ends usually take a lot longer to break out. Um, this might be his year. Uh, he's got two really rough matchups. Here's the thing. He's got to play Buffalo and New England again. 
So uh, that's that's the only concern. Uh, the best part is, is that he doesn't have to play Buffalo again until the last game of the year, which no one cares about for fantasy. So mm-hmm. there's at least that. Um, but yeah, no, like Boots said, schedule looks pretty good past. Uh, the only one I'm worried about is the Buffalo, maybe Seattle a little bit. Uh, but then the rest of them, I mean, they all look pretty good. So I, yeah, man, I agree with you there. All right. Thanks. Oh, cool. Uh, Any final closing thoughts? Anything, uh, anything exciting? I mean, I just, I had a lot of fun being here. Thanks for inviting me on. This has been fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thanks for coming out, Noro. Uh, we'll definitely, we'll definitely be bringing in anybody that wants to come in and give some opinions and talk about this stuff. We love talking about this stuff. Oh yeah, I, 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 you know, I'm always around. I'm always making fun of people for their bad waiver wire pickups. Everyone that bought Naheem Hines, I made fun of. <laughs> Don't worry. And uh, let's see. Final closing thoughts. Um, do not uh, trade Eckler for 75 Fab. That's that's my final thought. Yeah, words to live by. <laughs> words to live by. So if anyone else has any requests for things they'd like to hear us talk about, uh, always looking for new ideas for things to waste time and overreact to. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd like to see us get into some DFS stuff here in the near future. Oh, you just said all about you it. said boost trigger word. <laughs> no, I'm doing boost. DFS lineups tonight. He's firing up his uh, spreadsheets. Oh yeah. Mm. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, uh, the three of you, I, I know you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you. Hey, yep. Yeah, y'all have a good one. Take care. All right. Take care, y'all. Cheers. It, it, uh, that noise is great. <laughs>